This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Podcast, fake edibles, how they look like real candies, illegal and online. It's actually kind of mind-blowing and scary when you hear this description of what they look like. Andy Barrar comes on the show, Handy Andy. And Andy shows us how we can take some DIY and technology and put them together. We're talking about making coffee on demand from your smartphone from bed. Very cool. Are you okay with a car thief who scolds the lady he stole the car from? And what about dreaming about lottery numbers? If it could win you a bunch of money. In case you missed it on the show with Ryan O'Donnell as well, the Shift Daily Podcast is available for you every single day when we wrap up the Shift. It's like a bite-sized morsel. One of the things about working on the radio is there are multiple broadcast companies in our country. It's a beautiful thing about our country. And most of them are you know, publicly traded or privately owned, and not all of them. But the good news is, is that there are a lot of different people in our country that are seeking out stories. And sometimes you got to give them a little high five and say good work. And this story is important for us to share. It was put together by CBC's Go Public uh, that finds hundreds of websites online. We need to know this stuff with everything that's going on in our world of pot. Are selling edible cannabis candy, that's illegal, in packages that are pinched packaging that looks almost identical to normal candy bags. Here's the story. Sour Batch Kids. Sour, sweet, gone. One is clearly for kids, the other strictly for adults looking to get high. I got high as But you'd be hard-pressed to tell them apart. They look so alike it's led to major busts in the U.S. Stony Patch Kids. Pediatrician Dr. Jane Pegg couldn't believe her eyes when she saw the packaging of the pot edibles that poisoned a two-year-old boy. When he came into the emergency, he was unconscious and having trouble breathing. His mom had accidentally given him these pot gummies, thinking they were kids' sour candy. They belonged to the toddler's grandfather. I don't know why the companies that are selling these products are not being shut down. In some cases, like the one involving the two-year-old, caregivers unknowingly gave the kids the pot-laced gummies or chocolate. In others, the kids found them around the house. Edibles have been legal since October 2019, but the look-alike packages are not. It's illegal to sell pot that's packaged with images or bright colors that appeal to children and aren't child-resistant. Peg tried to report what she was seeing, but says Health Canada ignored her email until GoPublic asked why. The health agency says it was sent to a generic email address that gets quite busy, so a response was delayed. When it did reply months later, it told her she could contact police. But shutting down these websites that sell the problematic pot packaging isn't that easy, says his police chief. Whack-a-mole kind of describes it quite well when we, 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 we hit one down and, and get rid of it and four more pop up. Regional poison centers report hundreds of unintentional poisonings involving kids and all edibles across the country. In some areas, the numbers have doubled over the past year. The federal government announced an action plan 10 months ago to crack down on illegal products, but it hasn't been put into action yet. Part of the delay may be figuring out who will pay for it, says this lawyer. I think there is a certain amount of um, kind of jurisdictional struggle over whose responsibility really is this. Meanwhile, the illegal packages continue to be sold online and end up in the wrong young hands. Rosa Marcatelli, CBC News, Go Public. I'm going to try to uh, explain what this looks like. You know Sour Patch Kids by Maynard's, the candies? Best candy Uh, ever. Yeah, it's very um, whole Maynard's, for that matter. So Mm. good. Um, Yellow packaging, lime green trim, gummies with smiley faces, of course, that are bright. Uh, orange, bright, red, bright, green, bright, yellow. The package in the other part of the story is the stoner patch dummies. <laughs> and not gummies, dummies, stoner patch. So somebody is making them uh, equally as bright, literally the same colors as the sour patch in the name, different font, uh, but the same colors. So uh, Grandpa, who did it... Um, it's crazy. The whole story is crazy, but I just want to get your thoughts. Like, edibles, yes or no? Because I know you guys have been known to uh, partake, <laughs> partake from time to time. Yeah. I just want to say I looked up Stony Patch Dummies, and I could buy them right now. 
illegally right now. I'm not right going now. to, but I could. It's that easy. I could press add to cart right now and it's done. Wow. It's crazy. Sorry, Matt. Please enlighten me. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> like, um, so, so my band played a show locally here in Vancouver a few years ago at this, this dirt pub called the Princeton Pub. And because um, that, that's kind of our prime you know, focus is playing like dirt pubs. Anyway, um, th this gentleman enjoyed the show so much that he was like, hey, man, you guys are great. Here's some here's some weed cookies I made. And he, so he gave us these cookies. So, you know, me and my my now wife, you know, t took them home and it was the weekend and celebrated the show, everything like that. And I'm I'm pretty old fashioned in terms of I mean, f first of all, stay in school, kids, you know. <laughs> but um you know it's all your own personal choice it's all legal now blah 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 but yeah um you know so we had them like i'm pretty old-fashioned like i'm a roll them and smoke them guy and i still am like that's just my prefer my preference you know and edibles have their place in terms of if you don't want to like damage your lungs with all that smoke um it's just another avenue and my experience is that, you know, when you, when you roll them and smoke them, you know, you get your head experience and you're just relaxed, but with edibles, you're ingesting it. So your body feels the entire experience. And I just, I get freaked out. I get kind of just, I feel weird. I just feel weird and mm -hmm. I don't enjoy it. Like, it's just not an experience that I personally enjoy. Yeah, I, I can relate. I've only done edibles once. And uh, <laughs> it took me 30 minutes to eat one slice of Domino's pizza. I would take one bite, and then I'd put it down, and then I'd look and go, oh, pizza. And then I'd pick it up and take another bite, and then I'd put it down. But then, so for 20 minutes, it was the greatest thing ever. And then I had a panic attack because I thought the cops were going to come, and I was like, guys, they want me. I did something bad. I just, I get it. I So I haven't done it since, but that that was right right when it was uh first legalized it's been a long time but uh it's not really my first preference but it is a very different high uh and you can look into the research it is very different and the scary thing about edibles you know you can't overdose on cannabis but what happens is you take an edible and it is a very slow transition to get high whereas smoking a joint or vaping or is almost is very quick so a lot of people will take an edible and be like, oh, I didn't hit, so I'll take another one. I'm still feeling nothing. Yeah. And then they get hit by a 747 jumbo jet. Like it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it can be bad. So you have to be very, very smart. Yeah. About like, it. You don't need much when it comes to edibles. And I think like the rookie, every, it seems like everybody makes the rookie mistake. And, and that's oh, yeah. why it's a rookie mistake of just like having more. You know, but then all of a sudden the 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 sensation hits you like a tr like a truck, and then you're just like, you know, like me and my wife were watching Pink Floyd live at Pompeii, the one where they're oh. all like, you know, in the amphitheater and there's no audience and it's awesome. And I've you know I've seen that a thousand times, but we we were watching it on these things and we just got freaked out, like just freaked out. It was <laughs> just it was not a pleasurable experience. As a non-pot guy, now I'm not, you know, holier than thou in this. I mean, back in college, tried it wasn't my jam. Yeah, it's not everybody's jam, and that's totally yeah. okay. I felt stupid, right? I always felt stupid when that I would forget what we were talking about, right? Like, <laughs> what are we talking lot. about? Happens a lot. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I just do that when I'm sober. So me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I would question your decision, Matt, to to uh, take cookies from a stranger. I mean, that's one of the stay in school. But by the way, while you're in school, don't take cookies from the man in the panel van. <laughs> also one of the, uh, yeah. one of the core <laughs> principles of stay in school. Yes. Granted. Um, yes, I agree. <laughs> although you hear that, I know some band friends right everywhere they go that, you know, they literally, they get offered drugs everywhere they go. Every show people are like, I love you guys, man. Let's get high together. Out in the parking lot. Woo. It'll be great. Yeah. And then you still have to load the Scooby van with you full of your gear when you're half cooked. Yeah. Like you still have to drive home and, and unload the gear in the <laughs> rehearsal space. So it's not, productive. did that change your perspective? The cookies at that point? 
Oh, for sure. Like, you know, there comes a point where you reach your limit and like, like whatever, you know, you're into. And like I said, like stay in school, kids, you know, you can live a perfectly sober lifestyle and be totally fine. But like, you know, you're not you're not missing anything if you if you dive into this. But yeah, like it, it does change your perception. It's like, wow, this thing that I really like normally enjoy recreationally just got like super weird or super um, cool or super <laughs> cool yeah music mainly for me but okay so yeah. i just uh, all i did was type in to google buy stoner and it's the top two suggestions from google i have never searched pot on this computer ever hmm. and um and it's the top two it's the top two options on there and there is one two Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All ten of the very first options are all from different websites. And they all are offering to sell stoner patch gu- dummies, not gummies. Illegally. Dummies. Illegally. That's um, a crazy thing, eh? And um, in six different flavors one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different flavors plus variety packs and uh, anywhere ranging in prices in size from 1750 to $289. Yeah. We're looking like, at the same page. Yep. yep. And so that does raise the question to the, to when the policeman said uh, there about how it's like whack-a-mole, right? Another one pops up. And the thing, I think that one of the things that I'm interested in about all of this conversation about pot and edibles and stuff like that is that, before it was legal, it it was dark web stuff, right? For the most part. You had to really go looking to find it. It wasn't hard to find, but you had to go looking to find it. And now that it's more legal, more top of mind, it's just right there in front of you all the time. Like there's nothing on here that even says, by the way, you probably shouldn't buy this or buy this at your own risk or or anything like that related <laughs> related products doritos <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah, not, not yeah, wrong that's you're not wrong and uh ruffles uh queso so there you go spanish maybe a mexican website who knows i'm making assumptions there i'm just saying it looks like a a, a packaging yeah familiar packaging it's not far off but these but these are these are um, these are packages that are ripoffs of these products that say they have THC in the bottom corner, right? Like that's mind blowing to me that this is even out there and that you can, that, that, that these people can do this now. Hey man, I'm just, I'm not being judged, Joe. If you want to go do your thing, then go do your thing. But protecting yeah. the babies, man, if we have one job in life, it's protect the babies. Y- yeah, mm-hmm. no. And I'm, I'm fully right, right there. Like, you know, it should be like something like this. You know, like any kind of vice, you know, what what have you. This is like the vice category as an adult. You know, the choice that you make as a adult or, you know, a really early teenager. Um, <laughs> you know, like it, it's there's an age limit. You know, there's there's a point where you you decide that you can handle it. And, you know, you, God forbid, you know, you don't want like a young child thinking this is, you know, normal candy and then having this like completely awful experience that they might have to go to the hospital for. It says right on here, stoner patch dummies are an adult friendly take on your favorite childhood goodies. And one of the things I struggle with this is that we bring this up and maybe you as an adult, you might be like, Hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to try those out. And that's fine. If you're an adult, you want to break the law and buy illegal edibles. Look, you get to choose that. That's, that's your jam. But much to the story about the grandpa, let's be honest, cool grandpa, except for the fact that he left them lying around, um, you know, went and got himself some edibles and it is a, you know, a full on take of, 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 of a kid's thing. So do you know, Matt, Ryan, maybe you, what are edibles today? The legal ones? Is it prepackaged or are you still buying like Nanaimo bars off of a plate at a, <laughs> at a pot store? Yeah, I mean it's it's not my jam at all. So I I don't even look at 
like into it or even oh it's not yours at all no. like discuss it with i uh i'll be honest i haven't purchased uh legal or any uh edible since uh, my one experience just because it was such a uh negative one however i do know uh the only form of edible i have had would be the uh, seth rogan's cannabis company made a drink and uh, i've had a drinks cannabis drinks before which is kind of like if you have a beer early in the day on a sunday you know and you drink it and you're like oh i got a little tipsy unintentionally day that's drinking. what that's like um but that's my only experience but the cans are it's it's all very clear packaging and uh i, I will say like the government like does a pretty good job of making very clear that like this is marketed. This isn't marketed, you know, you know what you get. It's exactly what's on the label and that's all you need to know. You don't need fancy packaging to sell it. It'll sell itself. Um, and, uh, but as far as I know, you know, you can purchase legal gummies and legal biscuits and stuff like that from certain shops uh, and more places are starting to carry more as it becomes easier to get, because it's it hasn't been legal for all that long, so it'll get the selection will get bigger as the uh, legal market expands. But uh, it's interesting for sure. Well, we know you're not stoned right now because I watched you eat that pizza and it did not stand a chance. It, it, yeah, it took less than tw- <laughs> less, less than twenty seconds, <laughs> and that that's um, the easiest way to know how long does it take me to eat something. <laughs> yeah. That's I like that. Uh, there's a text that comes in from Steve, and Steve has a good point. He says, now we have a whole new reason to check the Halloween candy. I mean, that would be an expensive Halloween donation from the, uh, that's that's better than the full-size chocolate bars or full-size cans of Coke that some people give out. But, I mean, imagine if that was slipped into Halloween candy by accident. Mm. That could be dreadful on a little body, too, right? Like edibles, yeah. I think, if I understand this correctly, and you know, shift heads, you can... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Body weight matters, especially with edibles. And um, if if my reading, you know, doesn't fail me right now, um, can you imagine a, you know, a dose like that that goes into 110 pounds? Wow. Anyway, I like to think. Uh, just yeah, you know, it is. And and even if you're not an edibles person, I think that it matters to have this. I uh, have this conversation. We need to know that those things are out there, just to you know. I I will always take a stand for for take care of the babies man always we got to do it that's our job it's all we got yeah just take care of the babies man go have a party you go party high five i'll come pick you up and give you a ride home or you know whatever help you change your shirt to get the puke off or whatever it is kind of party you want to get up to i don't care about that but the minute that we don't protect the babies that's when we got a problem this is the shift podcast Uh, a couple of weeks ago i was having a conversation with my buddy andy and he says to me he says, well, here, just go buy a stupid coffee pot. Let me backtrack. I was complaining because I'm incredibly lazy in the morning and I don't want to get out of bed to go get coffee. And I've made many jokes about it's too bad skip the dishes doesn't come right to your bedroom because that would be unbelievable. Kind of weird, though, but still. Anyway, Andy Barrar is here. Andy, you told me to go from having a programmable smart coffee pot to go to having a stupid coffee pot. Because you said it would make my life better. Turns out, it worked. How are you? I'm good, Shane. That's just like music to my ears. Because it's something that I've been using for a long time. I'm just like you. I am super lazy. And you know what the thing is? is like There are coffee pots where you can set timers on. But yep. what if you get up at different times, right? That's what I do. And the first... And listen... I'm, I'm one of those people that the first thing I do when I wake up... Nothing starts until I've had that first cup of coffee. And so... I'm trying to reduce the friction. I found a solution using technology. And um, yeah, I give you the advice and you used it and and it works for you, which is just awesome because it validates that it's a really nice tech hack for, mm-hmm. for people who love a cup of joe first thing in the morning. Now, I use Apple. So I did learn some lessons along the way that um, some, of the, some of the plugs out there work with Siri, but don't work with HomeKit. Um, bought some plugs, sent them back, got new plugs that work with HomeKit, completely seamless. So tell everybody the notion that you told me to do with the coffee pot, because I think that for an awful lot of people, especially all of us who work at nighttime, it is really cool to learn some nice, easy ways that we can save ourselves some time and make life easier at home. 
Okay, so what I did, I, I, I'm going to explain it, but I also made a video of it earlier because I knew we were going to talk about this, Shane. So you could go onto my Twitter at HandyAndyMedia and you'll see a video. But essentially, okay. this is what you have to do. You have to get a coffee maker, but not just any coffee maker. It has to have a dedicated kill switch on it so you can turn it on and off. And essentially, what you want to do is just leave it on the on switch. So like an actual physical switch. Then you're going to need to have some type of smart speaker. In your case, Shane, because you're with Apple, you know, everything is working within the Apple ecosystem. But for most people, they're going to either have an Amazon Echo or a Google Assistant smart speaker. And you'll need to have that inside your bedroom. The next thing you're going to need, and you mentioned this, is a smart switch. Now, the majority of them out there work with Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant, but if you want something that's uh, home-enabled, like what you needed, uh, you might have to look a little bit deeper. But for the most part, a smart switch is going to be compatible with both Amazon and Google. Then what you do is inside the app you, you with the smart switch, you name it as your coffee maker. And it's really simple. You can do it inside either Google Assistant or Amazon Echo, and of course, with inside Apple as well. And from there, it's pretty simple. When you wake up in the morning, you can say, uh, hey, Google, turn on the coffee maker. And it will turn on. Oh, like my phone just went up right now, my Google phone. <laughs> but essentially, I hope it didn't turn it on. But essentially, that, that's what happens is you set it up. So the first thing you do when you wake up and you're kind of groggy and you just talk to your smart speaker, ask it to make you a cup of joe. And then it takes about five minutes. So by the time you get to your kitchen, you have a nice, fresh cup of potty, a cup of coffee. <laughs> you can have a cup but, of potty all you like. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if you try this out, it will change your life. So much so that if it breaks down or your smart switch doesn't work or your Wi-Fi goes down, you, you're just going to be like, how could, you know, how can I live? It's just that it just gets so convenient. It will literally change your life. It does. And so I pushed back for a long time with all of this technology because I wanted less uh, signals in my house. I wanted less stuff in my house. So here's what I did after your advice. I sold my uh, old coffee pot on Virage Sale for 15 bucks, And I went and ordered the original ones I ordered that weren't compatible with HomeKit. They do work with shortcuts, but not HomeKit. Was, they were ten, basically 10 bucks a plug. Uh, the HomeKit ones were 15 So it was Basically, I got the sold the old coffee pot, got the new um, plug for 15 bucks. Then I went to Walmart, didn't have any, went to Canadian Tire, found a basic coffee pot with only a switch, no brains to it. It was $24.95. Yes. So for 40 bucks, which is cheaper than I paid for my last coffee pot when I bought yes. it a bunch of years ago. Um, now I have that. So I kind of get up in the morning. I'm groggy in bed. I sort of wake up. And there are days when I get up on specific times. But there, most days, you know, it changes a little bit. It's not always the same. I don't live on Monday to Friday routine so much, but I don't know about you. Even when I did live a Monday to Friday routine, it seemed like it was never always the same. Sometimes the coffee pot's on too early. It's on too late. You're waiting for it to pour. Now, here's what I learned, though, is depending on the stores you go to, there are some single cup coffee makers, and there are some single cup coffee makers that come with a travel mug built into it that are only a switch. They're just dumb. And they are anywhere from $14 to 20 bucks. So you actually could just, even if you did it in your bedroom, you could even just literally have that one cup of coffee out the door and do it for even cheaper than I did. Absolutely. And here's the thing that depending if you have one of those machines that you talked about that can make the instant cup, but if you just have the old regular style coffee, all you have to do is get into the habit in your nighttime routine to set that coffee up. Because if you don't have water, if you don't have the, the coffee beans, it's not going to work. It's going to try to turn on, but you know, we're, we're creatures of habit. And so if you can just incorporate that into your nighttime routine to set everything up then you can just essentially turn it on at any point in time when you get up. So you don't have to have, you know, a lit coffee that's old that's been sitting there for an hour because you slept in. And I think that's the beauty about it because you can have that fresh cup of coffee um, at any time. But, you know, and, and like you said, it's super affordable. It's just taking these common smart home products, a cheap coffee maker with that kill switch, that dedicated switch. That's the most important thing. But you can really just essentially hack your way into turning dumb products into smart home products. A couple of things that I learned, the, you'll never find one of those coffee pots. They don't come with a clock. So if it has a clock on it, it probably is not going to work because it's going to turn the power off. 
Um, and, um, and yeah, I mean, it was super easy to set up too once you follow the instructions. So for the amount that I spent on the old coffee pot and for how much some of those coffee pots cost, um, I mean, talk about a good business to be in, make coffee pots. Um, you know, you can do it for a lot cheaper. It's very cool. All right. Some of the things that I've come, uh, I've noticed with, I've got my lamp here in the studio on it as well, which is particularly handy. I, I like that. Uh, hey, Siri. Turn off my office lamp. See, thing oh, of beauty. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, 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 Siri. Turn on my office. Uh, turn on my office lamp. Now so, everybody out there with uh, hear, Siri the and uh, so everybody out there with an office lamp has just turned on because of you. Because <laughs> yeah. when you said that, oh, we do hear that turned. too. We get listeners that say, "Hey, when you say hey Siri, my phone goes off," which yeah. is which feels powerful, right? Like you could like. It's like all of the digital soldiers, you call them to life, like the Transformers <laughs> across the radio. <laughs> I love it. Well, it was Burger King that did that in for the first time in a commercial. That's when it really became popular. They activated all these smart speakers inside of a commercial to talk about a Whopper deal. And uh, it really took the internet by storm. It was a really creative use of advertising with smart speakers. But I think they stopped that from TVs. They did something with the frequency, Shane, to prevent that from happening again. So you won't get those commands from commercials when they activate those uh, certain words. Well, that's kind of creepy. If you think about it, you could all of a sudden turn it, start turning on people's lights and um, coffee pots um, you know, remotely from a TV commercial. But um, another thing, Andy, that that sort of I've noticed lately, and I go through this again, it's like I go through this purge of notifications and I've done it with the kids. The kids have to have their notifications off now on their phones. Um, the overload of messages, and I've had to separate here on the shift too. I've had to separate where my emails come in and where that data flows because I have no problem with people reaching out on Facebook, sending me messages, but to other people, it's not their day off. It's my day off at the time. Right. And so I've had to really start to control how much my phone owns me. That's a big deal, isn't it? Well, I'm glad that you do that because the problem is Shane, a lot of people aren't being very proactive on these push notifications and that the problem about push notifications, you got to think about these app designers. They know everything about our behaviors with our smartphones. They know how many times you open up on average, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or, or weather apps. And when you start to deviate off that, on the back end, it sets a whole wave of motions. And one of them is sending you a push notification, a little nudge to try to get you back inside. And research shows that it works. And that's why all these apps do that. But what happens is you could be in a state of flow. You're working. You got all the ideas. You know, you, you, you can't even think of time. You're just so immersed in a certain activity. And then a bing and completely, you know, you're distracted. You look at your phone. Research says it takes 23 minutes to get back into a state of flow. So think about how many, how many push notifications the average user gets in a day. That's a lot of distractions. And with everybody working at home, now you got push notifications on your phone, but also you got Slack, you got emails, you got, you're just, we're bombarded by push notifications. And if we don't be proactive and try to, you know, discern what do we need to know, like your Amazon delivery is coming or your flight is going to be postponed. Those are important push notifications. But other ones that, you know, so-and-so has looked at your your uh, Facebook post or someone's commented on your Facebook post, you don't need to know that kind of stuff. And so people need to really focus and take the time on their phones to to disable certain notifications on some apps and leave other ones that are important to them. And I'm glad that you're doing that. What's the most uh, annoying one that you get? I think it's got to be Instagram. Instagram, you know, they every time I'll make a, a post, it, it kind of understands. And then it says, so-and-so uh, has updated their stories. And what Instagram realizes, if you've watched something or you like some someone's post, it tries to tell you to lure you back in. That uh, movie on, on Netflix, The Social Dilemma, I thought yeah. they did a really good job about showing what's going on in the back end and mm -hmm. how they, they can assess our, our behavior, predict our behavior, and when we deviate off that, use our, our 
or psychological vulnerabilities of trying to get the low hanging fruit and, and being easily distracted and, and the path of least resistance. And they take advantage of those vulnerabilities to get us back into an app. And the guy who, who designs that and makes that happen is getting a bonus on his check. And that's why he's doing it for these app developers. Yeah, I get the emails every now and then. it's like they reset, right? You get the emails that are all of a sudden, um, you know, updating that these you haven't checked your Twitter in a while or whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden you're getting emails again and it's like it just resets, right? Like, yeah, I already canceled this. I don't want this anymore. But a bunch of weeks later, it starts all over again. And I don't know if there's a law that they're breaking, but it really does seem to just reset itself and start doing some things over and over again. Sharing between apps is a thing, info. So if you're on one app and you look at an advertisement and that carries across to sitting down at the desktop, you're on the phone. I was looking at here. This is a neat one because you never see it. Notebooks with black paper. Um, it's one of my cool favorite new things. It's like a notebook just like this. I'm showing Andy here on the video call, but the paper's black. Oh, it's not okay. white. So you write on it with like a paint pen or a, or a silver Sharpie or whatever. And so in my writing, I'll just sometimes I'll just scribble just for you know, different experience. It's not something you look everywhere. I did it on my phone, saw saw some stuff, and now I get ads everywhere for notebooks with black paper. Uh, my kids get them on their phones uh, because it all happened inside the house. There is some cross-platform app sharing uh, for ads and stuff that's been going on. And I know that I saw a thing on Facebook that you can actually disable that stuff and tell Facebook to stop... Um, sharing between all of these different things. I had no idea that you could even do that, but it's deep in the settings, of course. Yes. So on various websites, Facebook has these little trackers. And so they can track your behavior after you've leave Facebook. This is not even inside the Facebook platform, but outside as you're going on to different uh, websites, they got these little trackers and that's how they can really understand our behavior online. And then they use that, like in your case, to, to start pushing ads and it's, it's totally intrusive. Now, the funny thing is, is Facebook is really powerful in terms of the customization that we can do. However, the majority of people out there do not go into the settings in Facebook and start to tweak them. For example, the one thing that I think everybody should really take control is your Facebook newsfeed. If you got that friend from high school that, that just, like, you're friends with them, but you're just tired, they post a lot of stuff that's kind of useless, a lot of noise, you can disable that. You can stay friends with them, but you just don't have to see that. And I think a lot of people need to take more time, not only on the push notifications, but also just on the kind of content they see on their Facebook feed because there are algorithms that control that, but we can hack them and we can only see the stuff that we really want to see, what we choose to see. The, the sad part is, Shane, a lot of people aren't taking advantage of that. Frankly, it is a little confusing, even for someone like myself. But, you know, when if you have five minutes, just go in there and deep dive and try to take those cookie trackers off and also control what you see on your Facebook newsfeed. So here is the setting that I found. Uh, if you go to your just general account control, settings and privacy, go to settings. If you scroll about three quarters of the way down, they even call it, ironically, um, uh, where did it go here? Off Facebook activity. Yeah. That's the setting. Go look for off Facebook activity, clear the history, and that guess where I saw the notebook. The notebook ads, they're in the history, and then you can uh, manage your off Facebook activity and then how much it tracks you. So how, how freaky is that when you think about it, that off Facebook activity is actually a feature that you have to block on Facebook. That's crazy. It's, it's quite ironic when you think about it. And this is just more reasons why Facebook is just way too big. Facebook itself is massive. Then you add on Instagram, you add on WhatsApp. Why does one company have all three? It just doesn't make sense to me because now not only are they have those three apps and all the information within that, but they're doing the off Facebook. So they're tracking all of our website activity. And it's just, I, why? I don't understand why they're allowed to be so big, Shane. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, you never know. Some of those things might change. We can only hope. But regardless of all that, the good news is the coffee bowl will be ready by the time you get to the kitchen if you do it the way that Andy has recommended to me. Where does everyone go again to check out that video so the easy how-to for the stupid coffee pot turns into a smart coffee pot? 
Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll tweet it on my uh, Twitter handle at HandyAndyMedia, and I'm going to tag you in it too, Shane, so that uh, sure. you can they, can they can find you and then you can uh, share that as well. Um, it's, it's super simple. Trust me. This is like one of those tech wins um, that will change your life if you try it out, and it's super affordable too. How's your moon dial, Maddie? Uh, let me check. Hold on. Hey, moon dial. Hey. <laughs> hey. No, I, I told you before. It's time. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you again. You got to be professional here. This is a radio show. A national radio show. Get over here. Hey. Okay, we're ready. <laughs> laying down the law. Oh. General MacArthur laying down the law here. I'll say. Sorry, folks. Are, are a little, sorry, we got a little domestic there on you. Are you okay? And pick up your socks while you're at it. <laughs> Are you okay with waiting in your car? Ooh. Waiting in your car? For... When I was a kid, we used to have to wait in the car while mom got groceries. We were in Port Alberni. We would go to Safeway. Across the street was McDonald's. And we would, we'd sit in the car. And it was one of those old Safeways that looked like a, like a gymnastics place. It was like a big dome. Remember when the Safeways had, like, they were designed? Anyway, um, they, uh, well, I guess Safeways, you wouldn't know that in, uh, in Eastern Canada, but. The, um, the, we have to wait in the car when we were kids in the eighties, early eighties. So yeah, I guess I'm okay with waiting in cars. Waiting in cars for what? Well, I don't know. Uh, that's a good, that's a good question. I would say in general, it's fine as well nowadays, cause you can download an episode of something and watch it on demand whenever you want, like on Netflix or YouTube to keep yourself occupied. Or if you got some new music to listen to. Uh, but you don't want to wait too long, and you don't want to idle too long either. So if you can avoid it, that's great. But if you have to, 20-minute maximum. That's my rule. Yeah. Right. Okay. Are you okay with waiting in your car? An Oregon mother is grateful to have her four-year-old son back. Well, this is going to a place I didn't expect. After a thief stole her car with the child inside, but came back to return the boy and scold her. <laughs> oh, man. Crystal Leary told police she had gone into a store to quickly grab a couple of items and left her four-year-old son in the car with the engine running. Man, while she was inside, a man got in the car and drove off with the boy inside. Leary says the suspect then drove back to the store and yelled at her, threatening to call the police on her because she left her boy in the car. He ordered her to get the boy out of the car and then stole the car and drove off again. <laughs> <laughs> Double steal. Wow. He really, he's like, I just needed you to know you're a bad mother, and I'm taking your car. Yeah. I'm calling the cops. No, I'm calling the cops. No, I'm, I'm calling the cops. The nerve. <laughs> Crystal told WAFB News her son was not harmed. It really busy, and we think we're just running in for a second, and this is just a perfect example of just letting our guards down and how terrible terribly could have ended. So I'm just thankful that he, he's okay. And it was so stupid, and I'll never do that again. But it's that split-second decision that can just change everything. Should she yeah. throw a thank you at the robber at this point? That's a, that's a toughie, right? Because I thank you for should. returning my child. Also... Why'd you steal my car? Also, thank you for teaching me a valuable lesson, which I will now share with others to never leave an unattended four-year-old in the back seat of a running car. <laughs> so, but if you turn this around, it's the other way around. Say she's getting carjacked. Guy comes up. She's in the car. She's with the baby. It's like a movie and there's good music in the background. Dun, dun, dun. And she, the guy gets the car. He's like, give me your car, lady. And she's like, you can have my car. Just let me and my son go. I just want to make sure my son's safe. You can take the car. That's what she would say. Anybody would, you would say it. I would say it. Anybody would say it. So I think she should, she should throw a little shout out to the, Hey, you know, nicest criminal, obviously criminal dad. Nicest criminal ever. Have the car. I don't care. Thank you for bringing my son back. I think she should. She owes him a thank you. Car's insured. What a confusing situation. Wild. Isn't it, though? I mean, he, he just taught her the lesson of a lifetime. 
Got a free car out of the deal. Sounds like a fair trade. No? Police are still searching for the car and the suspect. They have not been found. Are you okay? <laughs> if you want to contribute on that, 877-399-9898, by the way. Are you okay? I know where this one's going. I don't know the story, but I know what the answer. Are you okay with Batman? Well, uh, let's uh, take this to our resident Batman fanatic, Ryan Batman O'Donnell. Ryan Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> Ryan Christopher. <laughs> I'm a fan of the Dark Knight. All versions. Christopher Nolan's version, Michael Keaton doing it, Christian Bale doing it. It's all great. The comics are amazing. Batman's the best superhero ever. Period. He's a superhero. He's just a normal dude. Exactly. That's why he's the best superhero, because he does incredible things. I mean, money, but also mind and body. That's why he's the best. And right. he beat Superman. So, yes, he is a superhero. Okay. Turns out one of the Cape Crusaders' greatest allies is a real U.S. senator, Senator Patrick Leahy, a Democrat from Vermont. Um, can't he just be a senator from Vermont? That's the thing about American stories. they got to put you in the box. What political party? Anyway, the longest-serving member of the current Senate is a Batman aficionado who turned his fandom into philanthropy. He's even used the comics to forward his legislative agenda. When he's not working in the Senate chambers in Washington, Lee, he retreats to Gotham, where Batman fights cartoonish villains and mans the Batmobile. It's a comfort he took up when he was four years old. Leahy's first foray into screen acting, something he does strictly when Batman is involved, came in 1995 when he appeared in the critically reviled Batman Forever. Here's a clip of his appearance as a, bat, as a businessman in Dark Knight and a character billed as territorial governor in Batman, the animated series. We're not intimidated by thugs. You know, you remind me of my father. I hated my father. You know, I'd like to point out that we have a non-board member here, which is highly irregular, even if his family name is above the door. Bruce Wayne's family built this company. And he himself has run Into the ground, sir. On this momentous period in history, we link our great western lands with the east. Before this great enterprise, envisioned by myself, there was nothing here but wilderness. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So something I forgot to put in the script uh, that I re- uh, that was in the video, but not in the script that I saw, is that any money he makes from Batman appearances, he puts it directly into a local food bank from his whole t- hometown. Like no, nothing he he doesn't take any of it. It all goes back into a food bank. So it's purely just wow. I love Batman and I want to be a part of Batman, which is sweet. He's make building his own superhero world, I guess. Right? Yeah. Kind of cool. If you live in the real world all the time, it can be kind of boring, the senator told Vermont Alt-Weekly newspaper seven days in 2008. Cool story. All right. I get it. Um, this was interesting. I got a text from my dad today, and uh, it said this. Hey, exclamation point. We won $967.90 plus a free ticket in the lotto. We're moving to California. To which I thought... Uh-oh, my dad's phone's been hacked. Because <laughs> it was like, click here to claim the money or something, right? I'm like, uh-oh. Turns out, uh, he did. He did win the lotto. He, uh, he, he won like 940 bucks plus a $20 plus a free ticket. Very cool stuff. So to the, my buddy Rob, who always says he thinks lotto is a scam and it's actors because he's never met anybody who actually wins, here's the question. Are you okay? Are you okay with the lottery? I'd be okay if I ever won it, but I also never play it, so I have no reason Mm. to complain. Me neither. I have never bought a lottery ticket. I'm 24, and I'm waiting for my COVID vaccine. The day I get vaccinated, I'm going to buy my first one. I've sold a ton of them, but I rarely, rarely play. You've sold lotto tickets? Like in past jobs? Yes. Okay. Oh, I, I will I say like, legitimately sold. Them. <laughs> I was going to say oh, there you legitimately go. sold like, them. $2 scratchies. They're worth 10 bucks. Buy them in the back alley. <laughs> A Canadian woman is $60 million richer after playing lotto numbers that her husband dreamed of. 
Uh, now, I'm going to apologize right now. This is a complicated last name. Um, Deng Pravatudum says she was been playing the lotto for 20 years using a set of numbers that her husband dreamed about 20 years ago. In December, his dream became a reality when his wife played those numbers. She won $60 million jackpot in the Ontario lottery. Uh, on December 1st, the mother of two, who was laid off during the pandemic, went to the bank to pay some bills while her husband checked the tickets. When they returned to the car, he told her they'd won $60 million. This isn't the first time a Canadian won the lottery by sticking to their lucky numbers. Here's a clip from below. All right, so patience is a virtue, and here's the proof. A Canadian man from Edmonton, Alberta, is $60 million richer after using the same lottery combination for 20 years. That's got to feel really smart. so good. It actually is a good philosophy. Like, you stay consistent, mm-hmm. the numbers are random, maybe more likely, I don't know, and whatever. It paid off. It takes 30 years to do it. Bontrong's lucky numbers uh, were a combination of family birthdays and significant dates to him. Two, three, four, eight, nine, 20, and 30. Now he's rich. That is, I mean, dedication finally kind of came through here. What would you do if you won 60 million? That's the question everyone immediately asks. Yeah, well, one thing I wouldn't do is wait to cash in the winning ticket, but that's what this Lotto Max jackpot winner did. So Trong hit it big back in October of last year. He's just now stepping forward to claim his prize. So that's 10 months. It's I- like, this is just kind of like, I can't believe it. Got to get, get everything in order. Months. Trong says that he was so overwhelmed that he just couldn't claim it. In a Western Canada Lottery Corporation press release, Trong said, quote, I took the printout home and stared at the numbers in my ticket for hours that day. I could not believe it. Couldn't so that was two, four, eight, nine, twenty-nine, thirty. Is that what it was? Yep. I'm just keeping track of those uh, important numbers that they just read on the. We just played on the radio on national radio that they talked about on national TV that were significant numbers in the man's life. Just in case you want to recover his password, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he was waiting for 10 months so he could make sure he changes all changed his all his passwords. Yeah. yeah, so well. his secret numbers were 2489-2930 and his mom's maiden name was Susie. Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't figure out how they stole my identity of my 60 million dollars. Do you think it's creepy uh, though that they waited uh that he won after 20 years of playing the same number, 60 million, and then this woman wins 60 million dollars? After playing the same numbers also for 20 years, that's a little mm. spooky. Telling you, maybe Rob's right. Maybe it's all a scam. Mm. The part of it, though, is these are numbers that he dreamed about. We didn't even get into yeah. that part. Right? Do you believe your dreams would be a whole other thing that we could go there? Whoa, man. Bring on the hippie. Oh, maybe we should do the edibles thing next, man. <laughs> I could feel the hippie. Oh, I can <laughs> just smell the protruding. hippie. Hey, um, we are going to talk about edibles coming up. But first, though, we're going to get ourselves into conversation with Greg Fish and the world of weird things. 877-399-9898. Your calls, your text messages. I have a 649 in my pocket. Hey, it's six bucks. You never know. Trucker Dan. Well, it's right. You never know. I don't think my dad's ever won money like that before. Six bucks is six bucks. It is six bucks. I love it. It's the Shift Podcast. He's so excited to get into it in case you missed it. He just can't contain himself. He's just he's like a sneezer. He gets all pumped up. He starts to sneeze. He's ready to go. In yeah, case you allergies. missed it on the radio, here's Ryan. <laughs> Achoo. Achoo. That's me. Okay. Now, I, I have many things that I'm excited about for this in case you missed it. But uh, let's jump right into the one that made me smile the most today, which is going to be pretty impressive when you hear the next story, because that also made me smile immensely. Uh, if only my uh, technology here would stop freezing so You're I can what? read the script. Uh, my technology, technology, <laughs> re- uh, allergy in the house, allergy. technology, what is it and how does it work? Yeah, right. uh, there's, a, there's a throwback, but here it is. It's unfrozen. So, yes, our favorite Canadian TikToker is back with a new song, and this time he had some celebrity guests. Good morning. I'm Ryan O'Donnell with today's TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Breakdown. Breaking it down for you. Last week, we debuted today's TikTok. And on that segment, I played a remix, which was created by Canadian performer Lubalin. Now, in that song, he remixed what was a cringy post asking people for butter. It's just, you know, written out. And he took this 
poorly written comment on a forum and turn it into a song. For So for some context of how it works, this is what a bit of it sounded like. I want me people. Amazing. After hearing that, I just needed more Lubalin, and he he's back. And this time, his new song was created with the help of none other than Jimmy Kimmel, and uh, or sorry, Jimmy Fallon and uh, Allison Brie, which is really cool that these nice. big celebrities wanted to hop on and become part of the. Uh, part of this trend on TikTok and uh Lublin's got millions of followers now and already this is the biggest thing he's posted and uh we will play it for you however first like I did last week I'm going to read it for context because in the TikTok you can see the Facebook post as they sing the song in the background so you can read along as they sing well I, we can't really do that on radio so for some context this is the post that Lubalin turned into a song, which then Jimmy Kimmel and Allison sing on. So it is a Facebook thread between a man named John, a lady named Kathy, another person named Lee. There's a Cora in here. It's just a long chain. So I'm just going to go into it. Okay. <clears throat> John says, Ken Steakhouse blue cheese dressing. That's it. Then Kathy says, blue cheese has mold in it. Somebody responds, blue cheese. Kathy, once again, Blue cheese has mold in it. Cora, blue cheese. Kathy, blue cheese has mold in it. Carol, ranch. Kathy says ranch is good. Donna, blue cheese. Kathy says there is mold in blue cheese. Gross. And then Lydia comes in saying, <clears throat> depends a lot on what kind of salad I put it on. I imagine raspberry tastes good with chicken or turkey, nuts or seeds, fruit, while chunky blue cheese might be yummy with tuna, perhaps. Personally, I like a honey mustard dressing. Kathy finally responds, oh, so you like chunky mold dressing, huh? Blue cheese has mold in it. Uh, Donna? And Donna. <laughs> thanks, Donna. <laughs> so there you go. There's the context. And uh, without further ado, here's the song. Dressing is your favorite. Can steak has blue cheese dressing. Blue cheese has mold in it. Blue cheese. Blue cheese has mold in it. Blue cheese. Blue cheese has mold in it. Ranch is good. Blue cheese. There is mold in blue cheese grows. Depends a lot on what kind of salad I put it on. I imagine raspberry tastes good with chicken and turkey. Nuts and seeds and fruit. Why chicky blue cheese might be yummy with tuna, perhaps. Personally, I like a honey mustard dressing. Oh, so you like Has molded it's it. It's just an absolute banger. Fun fact: He's on Spotify. If you want to just jam these songs, maybe we, I think we need to add these onto the road trip playlist. Also, check it out; oh, it so continues good. to grow. Uh, Lubalin, man, dominating TikTok from Montreal. Uh, amazing work! It's fantastic. Follow him, uh, and uh, you will not be disappointed. So there you go. Some quality <sighs> popping off on TikTok. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. Mind blowing i love blue cheese dressing i don't care if it has mold in it i'll eat i it. like blue cheese yeah i like blue cheese i'm totally okay with it i like blue cheese on oh my god what is that what am i thinking of right now there's you know when you think of a food you can taste it but you can't quite say what it is or know what it is that's what's happening in my brain right now well first of all a trucker dam is right every show it ends up going back to food mm -hmm. but but second <laughs> of all um I've enjoyed blue cheese on burgers, so I don't know yep. if that's what you were thinking a blue, of. It was a blue cheese burger. Yep, yeah. it was. Okay. Thank you. So there you go. Blue cheese, 
And Sizzlin' Steve, he says, uh, I purchased blue cheese dressing last night. Great with hot wings. Agreed. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic on hot On the uh, uh, hot wings. Spicy news. It looks like we will be getting more content from our favorite, well, at least my favorite, Magical World. Yes, a Harry Potter television series is reportedly in early development at HBO Max. Man, I know it's not going to be R-rated, but can you imagine an R-rated like HBO miniseries on Harry Potter? Count yeah. me all the way in. I don't know. There better be nudity in it to make it worthwhile. That's weird. Yes, yes. Uh, just not while they're students at Hogwarts, you know, maybe when Cor- they're older. That was the weird part. That's what I was yep. getting at. Correct. Yep. So I just wanted to click, uh, clean that up real quick. Okay, so Variety put a report out. So the plans are for a show to be put forward. There are currently no talent, director, writers, or anything attached to it. There's no plot details. It's just that HBO are going to put this together. Now, HBO said that they are not developing it. However... They didn't say they the way they worded it left it open. So they didn't say it's not being made right now, but it could still be interpreted as it's kind of in development. Uh, so it, it 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 is here. And the interesting thing is that I believe that it totally is in development because think of Star Wars and The Mandalorian, for example. The Mandalorian has completely breathed life into Star Wars after the movies getting mixed receptions. Television is an amazing way to restart a franchise, and with Fantastic Beasts being really, really mediocre, uh, doing this could be a great way to reinvigorate the world of Harry Potter, which is an amazing world. The books are a huge part of my childhood. Like I've mentioned before, my first Lego set, Lego, which has been a huge part of my life, was a Harry Potter set. I literally, like the other day, Laura and I just finished binging all of Harry Potter, and they hold up very well. So I'm excited but what could it be about? Because Harry Potter's story is pretty much wrapped up. Well, I'm really hoping that this show might be a prequel story focusing on he who shall not be named. Harry Potter is dead. From this day forth, you put your faith in me. Harry Potter is dead! i love that laugh it's a great meme i believe this will be a prequel to lord voldemort some way you know you might be able to see harry's parents in in, at hogwarts with like a young snape and you get to see the rise of voldemort for the first time oh yeah it's talked about oh hit it maybe harry's parents go to a bar and then they Mm -hmm. they have a par dance party Mm-hmm. Have a little too much tequila, and then, if you will, the um, uh, the magic stick. Poof. Here's Harry. Yeah, this your adult uh, audience. Yeah, there you go. Well, there you go. HBO man. Uh, who knows? Uh, I just want to see more Ray Fines as Voldemort. He's so perfect. And uh, I thought this would be a great excuse to share one of my favorite moments from live television with like interviews. This is a clip. This happened years ago, but he was on this British TV talk show and uh, the host asked him, did you purposely try to make Voldemort terrifying? And then Ralph Fiennes is just there and then he goes full Voldemort and you can literally hear the entire audience become terrified the moment he does it. Check it out. Sometimes I remember in the first film, I had to put my finger into Daniel Radcliffe's Harry Potter's forehead and I had to say the words like, I can touch you now. Jesus Christ. I got chills then. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, my one shrank. My one shrank. Great joke. Uh, I can yes. Touch so you now. any, I know the, ooh, it's spooky. And if you watch the clip, he even like shapes his body like Voldemort in that scene. So, uh, oh, sorry. You shall not be named, but uh, check it out. Uh, so there you go. It's probably going to be like three, four years before we see anything like that. There are some fantastic beast movements, movies in development, but they're not great. So well, we'll see. That's that's good. That'll take about three or four years to make because then I can spend three or four years not being interested in it. 
That's fair. I uh, I've I've got a I the thing I love about Harry Potter is every time I watch it, I feel like magic is real. Like I feels like I'm living in a world where I'm watching a movie of something that's happening on the other side of the world. There's just they just do such a good job of making me feel that's like true. magic is real. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why I, I get so excited when I watch those movies. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Magic is real. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's the I, that's the way to yeah. do it, man. Um now I was waiting to see if our friend Steve Stebbing was going to highlight this uh Blu-ray release, but he didn't which I didn't call him out on because I really wanted to talk about it because a 4K remastered of one of my favorite films and one of the most influential, greatest animated movies of all time is up for grabs, and I had no idea it was happening. It's called Akira. Neo Tokyo is about to explode. Streamlined Pictures presents a state-of-the-art adventure. Akira. Oh man, this movie is incredible. So Akira is an anime. However, before you get all you anime, I'm not a big anime guy, but this film is a masterpiece. It's essentially set in uh, Neo-Tokyo, which is Tokyo after World War III, alternate history. And the movie is about somebody discovering that they kind of have powers that are reminiscent of another figure that had similar ones in 2019 when the world almost ended. And the movie is actually a commentary on the Cold War. It came out in 1988. Uh, It looks exactly like Blade Runner, but animated. The film pioneered animation techniques. For Mm -hmm. example, it's all hand-drawn. But to give the appearance of light, they purposely cut holes in their stills of what they drew and overexposed light to make it seem like everything was shining through. So when you watch the film... It's not computer generated. It's somebody literally shining a light through hand-drawn pictures. Um, It is an incredible film. You have to check it out uh, and uh, even just watch a clip of the motorcycle chase from the beginning of the movie. The bike, which is you see, is uh, you can see that also in Ready Player One, uh, the film. Uh, Percival uses it in the final battle there. Now, the, the movie is available on a 4K remaster. Fun fact, if you bought it when it came out in 20, at the end of last year, you got a dud because it didn't actually work properly. But the new news is that you can actually get a free upgraded copy if you live in North America, which is where the goof happened. You just email Funimation who did it all wrong and they'll send it to you. So Akira, I bought it the second I saw the headline. I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic in 4K. I got to see it in theaters in the summer before theaters locked back down, and that was an experience. So check it right out, my friends. Nice. Yeah, no, Akira is an an incredible masterpiece of animation, and to see something like that in the theater is like a total privilege. Um, I uh, the Rio Theater in Vancouver before it became a sports bar. I managed to see Metropolis uh, in there. Oh, no way. uh, The 80s version with the uh, Giorgio Moroder soundtrack. And um, it was was quite a wonderful experience to see that. I think it's a sports theater now, just so you know. It's a sports theater, yeah. (laughs) The theater's still there. They're just using it for sports. Sports theater. Uh, Do I have time for this last story, guys, or do we need to wrap it up? Eh, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so... (laughs) I'll be quick here. I was browsing Twitter and I stumbled across a video. It's not funny, so I'll just explain what it is because what I have to explain is funny. It's Eddie Redmayne talking about the worst audition he ever did. And uh, it just got me thinking about my worst audition because I used to be an actor. Before broadcasting, I wanted to be big screen, uh, you know, see my name in the lights on, <laughs> on the great white way. That was, that, was the, that was the dream. Well, that dream is gone now, which is fine because I like what I do now. I Ryan, love what I do now. Ryan, big time O'Donnell. Yeah. Thanks Ryan, for giving up for yeah. us. Oh, just for you, Shane. Uh, so what I thought I would do is take you through my worst audition. 
And it is for this exact McDonald's commercial for the 2018 Calgary Stampede. So in this commercial, you can see the Calgary Stampede Grandstand, Cowboys, the Calgary Skyline. And it was for a burger, and it aired during the Stampede that year. Earl? And I was seconds away from breaking the Is that world. silent Earl? I heard he hasn't said a word in 30 years. He's coming. He's coming. He's sitting down. That's mighty good. Did he just say something? He yeah. just said something. McDonald's new creamy black pepper Angus. What? Okay, so that's the commercial. That's so it's like a silent cowboy, but the first time says something because the burger is so yummy. Whatever. But here's my tale of auditioning for the guy who says, is that Silent Earl? So I made it through the first round of auditions. I go through, there was like 100 people in this hall trying to get this part. Uh, and... I was told that there would be lunch provided. It's a McDonald's commercial. You would think that you would get some food for auditioning. So I go in with a group of four actors. I sit down and there's McDonald's in front of me. And I look and the burger that is presented to me is a plain McDonald's burger that is cold, stale, has a bite taken out of it. And they said, you can just take one bite out of it. So I had to turn the burger around and rewrap it so I didn't, you know, bite take a bite out of another side of a burger somebody took a bite out of old school pre-covid oh i know this is such a crazy pre-covid story and i completely bombed that audition and i would say one of the main reasons is i took a bite out of the burger and a mcdonald's burger is pretty soft you know just right it's gone this was like a layer like like i had to beat through this stale patty to get through and it was awful I didn't get it, but uh, there is my worst audition story. And that's the price of fame. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are now. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.